That's exactly what we're trying to do here, is to make Him the very center of our lives. In everything that we do, all that we are, it's just, it's just the very, it's the joy of life. Well, we were studying, if you were with us at any length of time, we've been going through First Peter. We went through chapters 1 and 2, and then as I mentioned last week, we got to chapter 3. Very innocent, you know, no problems. And all of a sudden it dawned on me while I was studying at home, whoa, this is, uh, this is a family series. This is the start of husband and wife. Because if you remember, Peter said in chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way, talking about suffering, talking about humbling and, and being a just servant. He says, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. And when I read that, I, I said, I know what's coming. I've, I've studied First Peter before. I understand what is about to happen. He's going to talk with husbands and wives. And so I thought, what a great time for us to go into a family series. And I know for a fact that when... When the Bible says, wives, be submissive to your own husband, that stings. And that's a very normal thing. And you're gonna, we're going to learn that, I think, next week. But it's a very normal reaction. But it says to us as husbands, seven verses later, 1 Peter 3, 7, live with your wives, you husbands, likewise. In other words, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. And that is a farming term. That is, as a farmer would live with his land, so you as a husband are to live with your wife so she flourishes. So I want you to turn with me, please, to Ephesians. We're not going to look much at 1 Peter this morning, and we're not going to look a whole lot at Ephesians, but I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5 with me. By the way, while you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, let me tell you that if you're kind of on the on the the ledge, the border of whether you should go to the financial class or not, I beg of you to go. I did this when uh, we had uh, studies, when we had conferences with athletes and their wives. When I was in ministry with the athletes and here in this area, Kay and I had a ministry with the Dodgers, the Angels, the Rams, and the Raiders, and the Lakers. And uh, we we we. We, had to go, we went to conferences. And at every conference, they had a, 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 a class on how to handle your finances. Because all of the guys were off. They just were making so much money, and, and they had no idea what to do. And so I went, and I found that that class was as invaluable to me as anything that I've ever done. And I would encourage you to go. It starts on January the 25th. I think if you go to it, you will be blessed. One thing that Kay and I learned was that we would not get in debt, period. We would not get in debt. And so we were not in debt in anything except when we bought our home. Then we were in debt. But in anything else, we, we had no debt. As a matter of fact, we had to buy, we had to buy a, a, a sewing machine. I remember I bought Kay a sewing machine, and we bought it on time so as we could build up our credit so that we could uh, be, have a good credit statement. But we, we then had we, had, we owed nothing to anyone, and, and it was a great way of living our lives. It really unburdened us so much. I would really encourage you to go to a financial class if you can. I, I, I promise you, you will be blessed. So, I ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Today's message is, is entitled Mutual Submission. 
one of the things I found out early in my marriage is that if Kay was to be submissive to me as a husband, then I need to understand what that means, and I need to be an example to her. Well, when I read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it, it answered it. It said, and be subject or submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. Within the, within the life you and I live, every principle that we have is established by God. And within every walk of life, He establishes submission and authority. For instance, here in chapter 5 of Ephesians, it says in verse 22, Wives, Paul agrees, by the way, with Peter, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. But on the other hand, he says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. And if you wonder how, men, as Jesus Christ loves us, the church, that's our example. It goes on to say in chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Do you know what that promise is in the Ten Commandments? It says, Honor your mother and father, and, and long will be your days on the earth. There's a, there's a, a statement of, 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 of a long life. Loving and honoring your mother and your father. So children do that. Then it says, Fathers, verse 4, don't provoke your children to anger. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Then in verses 5 through verse 9, it talks about employers and employees. It mentions slaves and masters. But in our day, it should be employers, employees. And so it says, slaves or employees, be obedient to those who are your employers, masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, the sincerity of your heart. Verse 9, masters, in other words, employers, do the same thing to those who are working for you. Give them, give up threatening and knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And so the Bible talks about this, this whole idea of submission from every single level. There ought to be a mutual submission within our lives to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Let me say this, without mutual submission... All of it established by godly authority. It's why we study the Bible as we do. To try to find out what does the Bible say we should do and what does the Bible say we don't have to do. But this mutual submission established under the authority of God's Word will take away chaos. You look at the world in which we live. I'm not doing a message on that. But I mean just the world in which we live is in utter chaos. It's because nobody wants them to be an authority of another person. They all want to have what they want when they want it. And it doesn't work that way. And so Paul is going to teach us what it means to be submissive to one another. He starts, I think he starts by, by verse 18. He says in verse 18 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, don't get drunk with wine, that's dissipation. Don't do that. Rather, he says, be filled with the Spirit. The reason he says be filled with the Spirit when he talks about being subject to one another is because submission is not a natural tendency in our lives. Most of us want to run our own whatever. And it's hard to fall under someone else's authority. But the Bible says be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, if you'll note in Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to note 
verses 31 and 32. Paul tells us that God intended to explain the church and its relationship to Jesus Christ through our marriages. I want to show that to you. Verse 31. In verse 31, Paul is quoting out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We're going to read that in a moment. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, is the first marriage when God brought Eve to Adam after he had uh, formed Eve, uh, or excuse me, fashioned Eve out of the rib taken from the side of Adam. And when he did that, then he brought her to Adam. And then he says, for this reason, for this reason is marriage. For this reason, he says, a man shall leave his father and his mother. He shall be joined or cleave unto his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. Now look at verse 32. This mystery is great. What mystery? The mystery of, 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 of Christ and the church being combined or, or compared with marriages. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church, he says, when I'm talking about marriage. And so we, we are to understand that our marriages are to be an example or a reflection of what Jesus Christ looks like when people come and visit us. Our love for one another, our submission to one another in the fear of Christ is a healthy thing to people who are examining their, their, their thoughts about whether to come to Christ or not. It wasn't until Genesis, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, sorry. It wasn't until Ephesians chapter 5 that we knew exactly why God gave us marriages. It was to show the demonstration between Christ and the church. Why one husband? Why one wife? Why does God wish for us in the whole idea of marriage to have a very intimate and loving relationship with one another? Well, verse 32 explains the mystery of marriage is great. When he speaks of husband and wife, Paul is saying, I'm speaking with reference to Jesus Christ and the church. You see, and, and please listen, man, this message is going to be hardcore on us as men. And I'll, I'll show you why in a moment. I haven't even prayed yet. Let me, let me do that before I get into this. Uh, let's ask God to bless this time. Please, Father, do that. I'm sorry I, I, I went off without even doing that for the beginning. Please forgive me. And Lord, we want, to, we want you to open up our eyes and our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. We, Father, would love for you to teach us. And, and it's one of the most important things we could have, Father, is, is healthy, good, loving marriages. It's a reflection of a good, healthy, loving church. And so, Father, please teach us. Move me aside so that doesn't, uh, I don't hinder any of that. Now, thank you, Lord, for this time, this wonderful, beautiful, rainy day that you've given us. And we uh, thank you for that in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Guys, I want you to hear this. It's, uh, it's critical. If you'll note, you as a husband are to love your wife like Jesus Christ loves the church. There's only one place in Scripture. I, was, I said last night there is no place, but there is. In Titus chapter 2, verse 4, the older women encourage the younger women to love their wives and love their children. 
but there's really no place that emphasizes the love of, of a wife or a husband. There is always an emphasis of, of wives' respect or be submissive to your husband. On the other hand, we as husbands are told over and over and over again to love our wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. The most intimate love a couple can express is through marriage. The intimacy of a man and a woman. The intimacy and the act of of love through sex. The birth of children. the, The irresistible love that a parent has for their child. And then the commitment of a family to love one another. All of this and so much more was meant to be a reflection of Jesus Christ and His love for us, the church. And in return, we were to be submissive to our Lord and love Him back as a family, as a church family. It was supposed to be a oneness, the the love of Christ. After all, we are the bride of Christ. And He is our groom. And one day there will be a a marriage supper uh, in, in, in heaven where the Lamb of God will sit with all of us who are His, calls us the bride of Christ. And we will have this fellowship one with another. So I'm talking to the husbands kind of mostly in this case because you and I are to love our wives. Now, for those of you who are not married, this I'm telling you this is going to be good only because you're going to learn so much because there's so much more than just talking about marriage. But also it's good because if one day you are to marry, then it's good to know some of these things before you jump off and say I do to some guy or you say I do to some girl. You have to you ought to understand who you're marrying. And so we ought to, to understand this. And, and I said this last week, and let me say it again. If you have a friend who's single, for God's sakes, don't try to fix them up. Leave them alone. Unless, no, no, unless they say, help, help me. I need to find someone. Do you know uh, someone that you might introduce me to? Then go for it. But until then, leave them alone. Let, let them be single and happy in their singleness. Because some are called to being single. They're not called to being married. And, and, and there's no right for us to try to intrude to make them married because we're married. You know, just love your friends, single or married, as they are. And, and let them dictate to you how you handle the situation. I say that with great, great concern because I've seen a lot of times people trying to introduce it other people to someone and it just doesn't work. There was one time it did work. One time. I was in a wedding. Ah, this is not my notes. I've got to tell you this story. It's so doggone wonderful. I'm marrying the first, first Ram football player I married. First wedding I ever did. Ed McGlossen and his wife um, I forgot. I'll, I'll think of it a little bit. I just drew a, you know, one of those brain freezes that you get when you get older. One of my dearest friends on the Ram was an outside linebacker by the name of George Andrews who came from Nebraska. He was an All-American. He was a great football player. Great. Boy, was he good looking. I mean, good looking. And so, um, Lisa, Lisa, because her sister was Heidi. Heidi was drop-dead gorgeous. She was pretty. And George almost lived with Kay and me. I mean, he was just eating at our house. He just lived with us, basically. He got to where he didn't even knock. He just, come on in, you know. 
And I'm, I'm standing there, and George is one of the groomsmen, and I'm going to do the wedding. And I said, George, and he'd been, he'd been dating some girls, and nothing has happened. And I said, George, I said, uh, it's none of my business. But if you walk out of here without Heidi, you're an idiot. Because he's good looking. He could probably get anyone he wanted. Uh, about a year later, I married them. Yeah, I was all right. That was a good one. That was one of those ones that was that worked. But it had nothing to do with me. Um, if you saw Heidi, guys, you would say that was a slam dunk. And girls, if you met George, you'd understand why Heidi said yes. It was a, it was a marriage that was made in heaven. But anyways, I try not to deal with that with the single friends because not all single friends want to be fixed up. But I would love for you to listen to this because you're going to learn so much. Because as we begin this study of husbands and wives, as it is within the Word of God, there's always so much more to learn. For instance, I bet you hadn't thought about this often. Think about it. Why has Satan so bent on destroying marriages? Why? Why is there such a a divorce rate that's growing? It's just getting out of hand. Well, you see, if Satan can destroy marriages and all that marriages are supposed to stand for, then he will destroy or at least cloud the picture of Jesus Christ and the church. You see, God has designed through godly marriages that a non-believer would be drawn to the church and to know Jesus Christ. It's, it's automatic. That mystery, mystery, marriage has been and always shall be God's plan of drawing people to His love. When they see, non-believers see, the love of Christ reflected through the family of God, us, all of us loving one another, but especially husband and wives loving one another, they will be, they will be bent to find out more about that. There is no greater reflection of God's love than through Jesus Christ loving the church and we the church returning our love back to Him and that is reflected, he says, through our marriages. Ever wonder why the Mormon church grows? You ever wonder why they have a, they have a, a great attendance record? They grow. When you think of Mormonism, besides the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, what do you think of normally? What do you think? Did someone say marriages? Families, marriage. You think of that. They're famous for that. You see, God will bless His promises even in spite of heresy. By that I mean people will be attracted even to a false religion if biblical principles are being practiced. And so when a non-believer sees good, healthy marriages and families, they will be attracted to that even if the rest of the doctrine that surrounds them is false. And so I say to you and me, as believers in Jesus Christ, Christians, we ought to get off of our duffs, so to speak, and get our marriages in order. And there's no such thing as a, a marriage so good that you don't have to make it better. We ought to get off of our duff so as to draw people to the truth of Jesus Christ through God-blessed marriages. And that's what this study is going to be all about. 
I want to give you another thought. Gentlemen, this might be scary, but this is what I kind of build my life upon as a husband of my wife, Kay. And by the way, what I'm going to tell you now is worth about what I've got in here, just lint. It's not worth a lot because I've not read this in any commentary. I've not had any pastor teach this and so I could learn from them. This is something that I just have taken to believe in my own heart of hearts how I am to care for Kay. And if I'm correct, then husbands, you ought to listen because this ought to be how you ought to care for your wives. Here's why I believe that I am to take care of Kay. Of course, it comes from Scripture. If you look at, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verses 25, 26, and 27. And hopefully I am correct. But even if I'm not, I don't care. I'm going to live my life like this anyways. It says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. Well, if you ask how, Paul tells you, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Since Verse 26, since Jesus Christ gave himself up for us, then he did that so that he might sanctify her, meaning the church, having cleansed her, meaning the church, by the washing of waters with the word, so that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing, but that she should or would be holy and blameless. Well, verse 25 tells myself as a husband that I am to love Kay like Jesus Christ loves the church. That's a, that's a tall order. And note, it goes on to say in verses 26 and 7, that one day Jesus Christ is going to present the church to God in all of her glory, without a spot, without a wrinkle, holy and blameless. Now it is my belief, mine now, that I am to live with Kay with that in mind. I am to live with Kay that one day when I stand before God, He will ask me, how did you treat your wife? As a matter of fact, I even believe that she will be standing right beside me at that moment. And like Jesus Christ presents us, the church, with all of our glory, I believe as a husband, God expects you and me to present our wives to Him, sanctified, set apart, cleansed through His Word. In other words, men, husbands, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. That's why we have studies for men at, on Wednesday morning at a breakfast at a place called Kino's. It's at 6 in the morning on Wednesdays. Kino's is on the corner of Imperial and La Palma. And men, I would beg of you to come if you can. I know it's some of it, for some of you it bumps into work. You just can't come. But it is a time of great fellowship. In fact, last Wednesday we, we had such a tremendous time. <clears throat> the guys just sharing with one another and just kind of gleaning from one another what it means. And then every Monday, the first Monday of every month, we meet in the cafe, men, and we study what it means to be a man, a man of God. And so, guys, if you can, I would encourage you so much to come so as to help yourself to become the spiritual leader in your home. It also says in verses 25 through 27 that we will present to God our wives in all of her glory, without spot or wrinkle. At least I believe that's what it says. That is, I am to protect my wife, Kay, from all outside influences. 
holy and blameless, I'm to present her. Set apart, without sin, I'm to present her. In other words, as her husband, I'm to keep Kay away from anything that might cause her to stumble or have any grief in her life. It should be my job. Just as our Lord protects us, the church, I am to care for Kay. So husbands, if I read the Word of God correctly in this case, you and I have a great and glorious job ahead of us. To love our wives like Jesus Christ loves us. There's nothing, nothing greater. And I promise you this. Look, when, if you do what the Bible says you should do as a husband to your wife, when they bury you and they drop that casket lid down, they're gonna, they won't be able to wipe that smile off your face. Because to love a wife and to understand that love for a wife, the love you get back in return, it's amazing. This is off the subject a little bit. This morning I got dressed and I said, I always ask Kay. I never walk out the door. Is this going to be okay? What do you think? She says, it's going to be fine. She says, you look darn right cute. And I says, you know, that's not right. I mean, no, I don't. We've got mirrors. And she said, you do to me. Uh, I know, that's an awe moment. I'm thinking, gosh, that's, that's better than gold. My wife loves me. It's amazing. I have mirrors. I know what I look like. It's amazing. Now, even if this isn't correct, what I just told you, gentlemen, even if it's not, I'm going to live my life as if it is. I find no greater joy in my life than to try to protect and love my wife as she ought to be loved. I'll give you a little hint. The whole part of it. It says, husbands, I want you to live with your wives. This is in 1 Peter 3, 7. I want you to live with your wife, he says, in an understanding way. That's a farming term, an understanding way. In other words, I had this as a prop. Dorothy did this for me. Yeah, nice, huh? This, let's say I'm a farmer. And I want this because, number one, oh, man, I love, I love the smell of this. It's just, oh, I wish you could smell it. It really is beautiful. Man, I, I, I want to grow this. Uh, so I, I have my farm, and I decide that I want to grow this, and I love it so much that I'm going to grow it right here, right next to my home. Boom! So that I can smell it every day I get up. But my father, who is really a great farmer, says, son. I say, yes, dad. Look. He says, I know. I watched. He says, that's not going to grow there. I said, what do you mean it's not going to grow there? He says, the, the soil is too rocky. You don't get enough rain here. This will not flourish. If you really want this to be everything you want it to be, you're going to have to plant it down this part of your farm where the land is perfect for it. There's no rock in the soil. The soil is wonderful. It's going to get a lot of rain. It's going to flourish. I said, well, I hear you, Dad, but you don't know how much I love this. I love this so much that I want it to be near me. He said, well, okay, son. Good luck. You know what will happen to this? It's going to die in time. It's not going to flourish. I've got to live with my wife like a farmer would his land in an understanding way so that it will flourish. No farmer worth his weight in salt would plant it here when he knows it would die. No man, no man, no husband worth his weight in salt would live with his wife 
and not try to understand her. How do you understand your wife? Key. Key, man. Key. Communicate. Ask. I've never once done a wedding, and I've done a lot of weddings. One of my favorite things to do in this world is weddings. I've never once done a wedding and told counsel with a couple getting married. I've never given them a book to read apart from the Bible. And you know why I've never given them a book to read? Because that book is worthless, in my opinion, unless the wife wrote it. Now, if she wrote it, that husband ought to study it. He ought to get that thing. To, he ought to know that from front to end. But I, I've always told them the best way for them to get to know each other is to, to communicate, talk with one another. Kay and I used to date each other. We, in fact, I've, I've just convicted myself over this service. We've stopped dating each other every week. I used to date her every single week, and we would go out at the same time. We'd go after lunch and before dinner where it wouldn't be crowded, and we could just sit in whatever restaurant we wanted to and just enjoy each other. One time I was taking her, I might have told you this, I was taking her to get a bite to eat, and I thought, man, this is going to be the best lunch, or you know, whatever it was, in between lunch and, and uh, dinner, because I've been just fantastic as a husband. And she's going to put that gold star right on my little forehead and say, you're the best. And so as I opened the door for us to go into this place, I said, by the way, honey, how have, you, how have I been doing this week? I love you enough? And she said, no, it's been a, you've been too much slammed that door. You know, I looked at her like, are you kidding? And then at that moment, I had, man, I had two choices to make. I could either say to her, you know, I'm doing the best I can. You don't know how busy I am at work. You don't know how much trouble I have to do what I have to do at work. And if you don't like what I'm doing, well, there's the door. Hit it. Or I could do what I did. And that is say, forgive me. Tell me what I need to do to make you complete as a woman. Tell me what I need to do to make you flourish. And boy, did she tell me. I got an earful. It was well worth it. Well worth it. And so we're to understand our wives. We're to know what it is that God has enabled us to, to, to understand who we've married and why we've married her and to understand what the Bible has to say about the importance of marriage. My marriage to Kay is going to reflect Jesus Christ in the church. So I want to, I want to ask you gentlemen, Can you remember your wedding day? Now, Avery, you can. It was just, just last week or so. But can you remember that day? Mine was 41 years ago in September. And I can remember Kay as vividly then. She wore her mother's wedding dress. She was just so beautiful. And I can remember that moment. I remembered everything about it. I was as nervous as could be. I... I was sweating like I was, in a, like I was in a steam room. And I was really nervous. And I'll tell you why I was nervous. I, I had a feeling like I wasn't going to be the husband that I ought to be. And so when the preacher looked at me, and I looked into the beautiful eyes of the wife that I was going to marry, and he said to me, John, do you take this woman, Kay, to be your wife? I said what? What did I say? Pardon me? I will, I do. When I said that, I bought the farm. That's a biblical term. Everything there is about Kay, 
I took her into my life and I was going to be her husband and I was going to love that woman like Jesus Christ loves me. I bought the farm. Now for some of you, you've got a high maintenance farm. <laughs> seems like you have to seems like you have to say to yourself, didn't I paint that thing last week? And for some of you, you'll say, you know, I haven't painted that thing for two or three years. I have a high-maintenance person that I married. Personally, I'm thankful. I love that. I love, about, I love what I love about Kay is that she is spirited. She's not a yes person. She's not going to say just because everyone says yes, she's going to say, okay, yes. No, she'll have a reason why she'll say no. I love that about her. I absolutely adore it about her. That's the farm that I bought. I'm content with it. It's fine with me. If I have to paint every week, I'm okay. And guys, too many of you don't look into the, the future and don't see the person that you're marrying and you say, I do. And by the word of God, you just bought the farm. And I've had some guys come up to me and say, you, you don't know what my wife is like. And I say, yeah, I know. I, I don't know what she's like. It doesn't matter. You bought the farm. You've got to care for it. You've got to love her like Jesus Christ loves you. That comes from 1 Peter chapter 7. Live with your wives in an understanding way. That, that in the Greek, an understanding way is a farming term. So since we bought the farm, we are to live with our wives in such a way. How? Well, that's what the Bible wants to teach you and me. I want you to, to leave now Ephesians, and I want you to turn with me to the first book in the Bible. We're almost done. I'm not, this isn't like I'm starting. I, I'm, I'm closing it down. I want you to look again at Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Remember last week we talked in chapter 1, and God said that everything he made was what? Do you remember? Good. Everything. In fact, on the sixth day, said that he rested, and he behold, he said all that he made was very good. And then he told the man in the second chapter... And in the, the 18th verse, it's not good. It's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helper suitable for you. You know what that means, a helper suitable? It means I'm going to make you someone who is going to complete you as a being. Going to complete you. And so we learn in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 7, that us men were formed. That's a very, very simple word. That's like making a snowball. Formed in the Hebrew is a very simple, simple word. He formed us out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became living beings. He formed us. Well, if you turn to the same chapter and you look at verse 22, you see that he didn't form a woman. It says in verses 21 and 22, he caused the man to go into a deep sleep. He took from the man one of his ribs. And with that rib, he fashioned, no, not formed, he fashioned a woman, and then he brought her to the man. The word fashion is an architectural term. It means that God, in all of his wisdom, in all of his might, took this woman and he, he made her like an architect would a beautiful building. He put her together piece by piece. Number one, because of formed and because of fashioned, men and women are not supposed to be alike. We're just not made like that. 
I know the world's trying to make us alike. You know what's troubling me? It's not a big thing. For goodness sakes, ladies. Now, I've never had a problem with this, but don't stop us from, from opening a door from you, for you. I mean, I've heard some people say, oh, do you open a door for a girl? And she say, yeah, I can open my own door. Who do you think? I mean, come on, give, give me a break. Let me be a man. Let me be a man, please. I'll just open the door for you. Or to give a, uh, whatever. It, it, it is kind of one of my things. I, I, I just hate that the world is trying to make and push us into alike. We're not. I'll tell you another way we're not. All the weddings I've ever done, and I love doing weddings, my favorite thing. I've never once seen a groom magazine. Not one. <laughs> I've never walked into a room and talked to the, the bridegroom and seen him thumbing through, oh, what should I wear? Oh. I've never once. Not one time. But when I go and talk to the bride-to-be, I go in there and they got a bride magazine and it takes a crane to lift that thing. It does. You can look through colors. How many colors? What, what should the sheets? What, what is it? Oh, this, they want. An, there's everything they want. Us men don't care about that. I'm, I don't know, I hope there's no young people in here. But this, us men, there's only one thing we're thinking about, and that's getting her to bed. Let's go. Let's get the wedding over. Let's get up there and let's do that. And the wife is, what are we going to, what's that song going to be? Oh, who cares what the song is going to be? Let's, but. A woman has been... <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? A woman, a woman has been fashioned, and in that being fashioned, she has a love for her husband that is enough that she'll tell him that he looks cute. And I said, no, I don't. And she says, you do to me. That's the love that God has placed in the heart of a woman. He doesn't ask a woman to love her husband. He asks you to respect, and we're going to teach that next week. You're going to want to hear. But to us men, he says to us over and over again, love her, love her. We've got to learn what that means. And guys, the only way to love and understand your wife is to ask her. Don't go reading some manual, unless it's the Bible, on how to love your wife. Ask her. What does it she need? You know, you can read a book that says, oh, take her to the mountains, take her to the beach. My wife doesn't want to go to either the mountains nor the beach. That's not where. Take her to a fancy restaurant. Kate doesn't want to go to a fancy restaurant. And so I ask her all of these things. What makes you happy? Guys, sometime today, get alone with your wife. Ask her that. It'd be a great question. You've been formed, you and me as men. She's been fashioned. And the difference is seen when God brings the woman to the man in chapter, uh, two, uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, where you are, in verse 22. And then, and I'll tell you why man calls her woman, but, and then in verse 24, next week, and then in verse 24, it says, For this cause, talking about marriage, he says, A man shall leave his father and his mother, he shall cleave unto his wife, the two of them shall become one flesh. Verse 25, and they were both naked and they were not ashamed. You ever wonder what that all means? Leave, cleave, one flesh, naked, not ashamed. All right, I'm going to give you a hint. We'll study this next week. Here's why I'm going to talk to the men first. Note, verse 24, it says, To the man, not to the wife, to the man, leave your father and your mother. What does that mean? Well, we've already learned 
that we are to honor our mother and our fathers. And that is a comes with a promise. That's one of the commandments. So it doesn't mean you leave them and you don't care for your parents, but it says you become her husband. And once you leave her, then you cleave to her. doesn't ask the woman to leave her mother and her father. doesn't ask the woman to cleave to her husband. She will do that automatically if you love her like she needs to be loved. Then it says, and the two of them, now, women, you're in it, become one flesh. You know what that means? That's intercourse. Paul teaches that's sexual intercourse. That's why it needs to be two of us. Husband and his wife become one flesh. Both of them were naked and not ashamed. doesn't mean they weren't wearing anything. It means naked in the, in the Hebrew is transparent. Not ashamed in the Hebrews means to be open. Key. Key to a godly marriage. I'll leave you with this. How you communicate with one another. Man, it's your responsibility. Now, in some marriages, when there's an argument or a tiff, one of the partners or both want to just shut up and don't talk to me. Don't let that happen. For God's sakes, man, if, if she says that to you, don't let that happen. Now, don't get her so angry. That, that it becomes even worse. But don't let that happen. You've got to communicate. And if you're the one, husbands, who say, that's enough, I'm, I'm out of here, and you, you just walk out, you don't communicate, you're going to lose. Communication is the key to a godly marriage. Be open with one another. Transparent with one another. Not ashamed. We'll talk so much about that because I believe that's, where a lot of marriages fall apart. All right. So that's that. That's, that's, that's that. I mean, that's all for now. Let's close with prayer. Um, gosh, I love you guys. Thank you. you. You have to look at your faces. You have to be me to look at your faces and realize how attentive you guys are. Um, I understand. I realize this is an important thing. Anything about marriage is really important. And for those of you who are not married, I swear to you, this will be a great lesson for you. A great lesson. Especially if you're hoping to get married someday so that you don't, as a man, buy a farm. It's really difficult. Uh, Get to know your wife-to-be. Get to know your husband-to-be. That's enough. By the way, let me tell you up front how much I love you. Good gosh. It's hard to express how much I love you. Um, you'd have to be here and look this way to know how wonderful you guys are. If After we pray, if you need any prayer requests, if there's anything that you need, to, uh, a health problem or something in your family or something, anything, there'll be a people up here that want to pray with you and, and, and try to help. I, I believe that one of the most important things in a good church is, is a good prayer life. And so if there's anything you need, please come up here and they'll be happy to pray with you. Father, with that in mind, we, uh, we close this service. We thank you for who you are. Father, there's so much for us to learn about marriages. And, and yet, it's so important, Father, you ordained both the church and marriages as of a, as a great importance in this, the, the uh, church age. Let us understand that. Let us cultivate our marriages and make them all that you have wanted them to be. I pray, Father, that you will bless. Bless everybody here. Be, 
Have them be careful driving home right now because the streets are wet. They'll be real slippery. Just be real careful. Drive home safely. I'll see you all, Father, next week, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.